who he is and what he's blessed us with, who he's blessed us with. Okay, good to see you guys this morning. Everybody okay? You got your Bibles ready this morning? You got your sword, iPhone, iPad, iWord? Okay, because I'm very excited about a new series that God's put on my heart to bring. You know, sometimes when we go through Resurrection Day, like we did two weeks ago, and then we had the Jesus in the Park, and that was kind of, that was cool, and that was fun. Anybody, y'all have a good time at Jesus in the Park last week? It was a lot of fun. But two weeks ago, man, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that's, almost not, that's like the Super Bowl of, of Christianity, you know? I know we use that word Super Bowl to cover a lot of things, but it's like the pinnacle. It's like, wow, that's awesome. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Woo! Man, we get all excited. People get dressed up. People fill the churches. And then right after that, there's this, it's kind of like the day after Christmas. It's kind of a letdown. We go, oh, okay, he's resurrected. We win. Now we get to wait till next year to celebrate the resurrection again. And, and that's kind of the mentality of a lot of people. But I want to tell you, for the disciples, it was kind of the mentality of the disciples too. You know what I'm saying? Remember, we, I, last week, I just briefly, it's probably the shortest sermon I've ever preached. I, I, I talked about the restoration of Peter, but before... Peter was restored, what were they doing? What did they go back to doing? Okay, y'all got it? Fishing. It said Peter and the guys are all standing around. Peter said, I think I'll go fishing. And the other guys said, well, I think we will too. It's like they didn't know what they were supposed to do next. So Peter goes to go fishing and John and the rest of the guys go fishing with him. They're out there. They're not catching anything. And you know, God's, God's timing is so good. You think we're always supposed to be successful and do everything just so-so and get everything we're supposed to get because we want it. And God says, no, no, no. I got something better for you than fish. And, and so they get out there and they're not catching anything. And then Jesus shows up and he tells them where to cast the nets. And you know what? The fish became immaterial again. Just like he did the first time that Jesus showed up in their, in their lives and in their boat. He, the, the fish became immaterial. And then Jesus restored Peter, remember? But here's the deal. Peter didn't say anything with, that we record that's recorded between the resurrection and that day when Jesus said, do you love me? Okay? He didn't say anything. He said, uh, and, and so there was a hiatus. There was, a, there was, a, there was a, a time span there after the resurrection that these guys didn't know what to do. And I think that's somewhat the, how the church acts a little bit. After Resurrection Sunday, they kind of go, well, I guess we can get back into church as usual mode. Mm. Don't do y'all. Are you tracking with me, though? Because that's kind of the mentality. Well, we can just get back to church as usual. We took down all the nice, fancy decorations up here, all the nice flowing cloth and changed the lights and everything. It's kind of plain looking up here, isn't it? Yeah, y'all think y'all like the, did y'all like the, the fancy stuff because we were getting ready we're geared up. So here's here's the deal. I want you to know that this period of time between the resurrection or what they were celebrating, the Jews were celebrating Passover. Remember what Passover was? Anybody? If you don't know what Passover was, let me give you a quick history lesson on Passover. The Jews, the Israelites were, were in Egypt. They were in bondage for 400 years. Pharaoh said, I'm not letting you go. Moses went to say, let my people go. And he did all, the, the, all these signs and wonders. All these things happened, these plagues. Finally, uh, the last one just broke the camel, the straw that broke the camel's back. Because they said, if, if you don't have the blood of a lamb over the doorpost of your house, the death angel, if he, if he passes over, that child, your firstborn, will die. And so all the, all the Israelites, they, took, they, they, they cut a lamb open, they took the blood, the hyssop, and they, they painted the blood over the doorpost. And that's when they, the death angel came, he passed over those homes. See, Jesus is that representative. He was the first, he was the, the, the perfect sacrificial lamb. And the blood of Jesus was spread over the doorpost of our heart. So the death angel passes over. Okay, so that was Passover. They were celebrating Passover. Jesus came and instituted the new covenant and Passover changed to what we call Resurrection Day. Amen. So between Passover and Pentecost, say Pentecost, between Passover and Pentecost, there was 50 days. Now, Pentecost is another feast that the Jews celebrate. They still celebrate today. Pentecost was a celebration of that 50 day period when they got out, they crossed through the Red Sea on dry ground. They went and they found this mountain. And, and Moses, God said, Moses, go up. And Moses went up and he got the law. Remember, he got the Ten Commandments. And he came back down and that was a celebration. What they still celebrate today is the Feast of Pentecost. That's 50. Penta means 50. So they were celebrating the Feast of Pentecost. Now, 
Jesus instituted something new in the Pentecost and the, and the Feast of Pentecost. And that's what we're working toward. So I want you to understand that this period of time between the resurrection and Pentecost Sunday, which is May the 24th, should be one of the most exciting times for a believer. If we will go back and we will study, which is what I'm going to bring, I'm going to be bringing to you a message every Sunday that leads up to Pentecost. I'm excited about it. I've never preached this, this series before or something similar to this. I'm excited about because of what May 24th represents. Now, if you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you already know what May 24th, Pentecost Sunday, represents. It's the day that the Holy Spirit came and flooded the people in the upper room. How many people were in the upper room? 120 or so, okay? There are 120 or so people gathered in the upper room, and they're waiting for this thing called the promise. Say the promise. So God's big on the peas, Okay. Pentecost, Passover, the promise. And he's waiting. He said, you guys go and wait for the promise. So I want us to look in the next few weeks what happened, what transpired between Resurrection Sunday or Passover to Pentecost or the giving or the, the birth of what we call the church, the New Testament church. Are y'all excited about that? Okay, so now we're going to look at two, two books mainly today, Luke and Acts. Now let me tell you something about Luke and Acts. Was Luke, and I'm not going to ask you that because somebody's going to go, yeah, but because he wasn't. Luke was not an apostle. Luke was not a, he was a disciple, but he was not an apostle. He was not a part of the 12. Sometimes we think that because Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, that he was one of, the, one of the original 12. He was not one of the original 12. Matter of fact, he came along a little bit later. And he wrote, but he wrote the perspective of a Gentile when he wrote the book of Luke for the Gentile believers, Okay. Luke was the only Gentile to write a book of one of the Gospels. Luke is the word, is, comes from the other word, Lucas, which means giver of light or light giving, L-I-G-H-T, light giving. Isn't that cool? So here he is. Luke is, uh, he is a Gentile, and he has, uh, he's got very few things listed about him in the Bible, as do many other people in the Bible, that really would nail down who he really was and all of his past and all that. We don't know much about him, but we do know this, that he was a physician, Okay, he was a physician. He was also a Gentile because of his name. And he was also um, a companion to Paul, the Apostle Paul. And so when he wrote the book of, of Acts, it's a continuation of the book of Luke. You've heard me say it many times. I think the guys got it wrong. It should have been Matthew, Mark, John, Luke, Acts. Because Luke, if you go to the end of Luke, which we're going to do today, and then again, the beginning of Acts, you'll see the continuation. And it's written to the same guy. See, sometimes we forget that these guys were writing letters. We just think, oh, uh, the Holy Spirit wants me to write this. and pen it. He was writing to a man, and his name was what? Theophilus. How'd you like to have been given that name as a kid? I'm pretty sure it would be shortened to Theo pretty quickly. Not Theodore, but Theo, not the but Theophilus. Now, Theophilus, I think that's very interesting what the word Theophilus means, and if I can find it real quick, because I thought I was going to remember it. It means God lover, okay? Now, we don't know a whole lot about Theophilus either, but we know that Luke addressed him in, in chapter 1 of Luke, and we, he also addressed him in Acts chapter 1. Theophilus, meaning God-lover, is another person we don't know much about except this. Luke called him in, in chapter 1 of Luke, he called him most excellent Theophilus. So here's what church tradition may, uh, tells us about Theophilus. He could have been uh, a Roman uh, official because of the title most excellent, Luke could possibly have been his personal private physician. You ever think about that? And so he is addressing, uh, uh, he's addressing Theophilus and he's trying to tell him, this is why I believe what I believe. I want to show you what, I've, what I understand that I've, I've been hanging out with the Apostle Paul for many years. And I want to show you what he has taught me, but I want to show you more importantly that what the Holy Spirit has shown me to write down and to pin down. Now Luke, being a physician... Because he was a physician, more writings of healings are in the book of Luke than any of the other Gospels. Isn't that interesting? He talks about healings a lot because he was a physician. I'm telling you, I think he was pretty interested in, in hearing about the healings that Jesus did. So, he was, so, so we've got this set up. Are you kind of set up ready to go now? Okay, look at Acts chapter 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both do and teach until the day which he was taken up, 
After he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, this is what I want to, sh- I want to share with you today. Uh, it's something that Don Babin brought, brought, brought to the forefront for us when he began preaching here a couple of years ago, and it's about the kingdom of God. For 40 days, there's a... From the resurrection to Jesus' ascension, 40 days. Say 40 days. For 40 days, he taught and preached about the kingdom or things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, don't you think if that's what Jesus focused on for 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension, it's very important that we focus on the same thing. So the kingdom of God is what we're going to be talking about this morning. The former account, the former account he's talking about is the book of Luke. And he said, all that Jesus began to both do and teach. Listen, the book of Acts is the story of the disciples receiving what Jesus received in order to do what Jesus did. I want to read that to you again. The book of Acts, and and many people call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit, okay? When I'm I'm a kid, I think in the book of Acts, it just didn't register to me what what it meant. Are you all like that when you were a kid? You just... ACTS, you're like, okay, what is, it's just the book of somebody, an axe man. I don't know. But it's the acts, the AC, the, the, it was the actual doings of the Holy Spirit, empowered church. So he said, so the book of Acts is the story of the disciples receiving what Jesus received. What did he receive? Holy Spirit. In order to do what Jesus did. Okay? So that's where we're going to go with this. Look at verse, uh, Verse 2, until the day in which he was taken up after he threw the Holy Spirit. Let's stop right there. Now, again, if Jesus is preaching the kingdom for 40 days, don't you think it's important that we preach the kingdom? If Jesus had to do what he did for 40 days through the power of the Holy Spirit, don't you think that we need the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, Jesus, he didn't do this on his own church. It says through, uh, uh, Luke is very... Uh, very uh, clear when he says that he did this through the Holy Spirit and he gave commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So he's preparing his apostles. He's, a, he's preparing his disciples for the church age that we are still writing the book of. If the book was still be was if the book of Acts was still be uh, was still being written, Walter, then we would be in there. It'd be thick. <laughs> It'd have to be digital. Right? Because we are a part of this. I, I see there's some things I just didn't use to, I didn't grab it when I was younger, and somebody would be teaching me. So that's why I teach the way I teach, because I want you to grasp the fact when, when people would say the church age, I would go, well, What do you mean the church age? When they would talk about the New Testament church, I said, What do you mean the New Testament church? Uh, I thought we were a church of the whole Bible. And so when you study the book of Acts, you get, to have, get a picture of how everything changed at, at the day of resurrection, or actually when Jesus instituted the new covenant, and all everything kind of changed from that point on. And he says, this is what I'm preparing you for. So he said, I need the Holy Spirit, and I'm prepare my apostles for what is before them, because it is huge. Say huge. And it says, he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days of, in speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit had to be present for Jesus to do what he was going to do. See, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Holy Trinity. It's an aspect of God that empowers us and inspires us. Empowers us and inspires us. I like that. And he is at work among believers today. He left no possible doubt. Jesus said when he left uh, no doubt that he had been resurrected. Look at First uh, Corinthians 15. Paul described one of, me, one of these infallible proofs. And, and if you go back and study, guys, uh, go back and study church history, Josephus and different people, there were so many proofs that Jesus was resurrected. There's so many. And the, and the Romans tried to squelch, uh, squelch it. And if you've been watching AD, anybody watching that? They, they tried to squash it. The, the Pharisees tried to squash it. And they tried to... The, they said whether this is a rumor or the disciples stole him. Listen, these guys didn't, if it, Jesus had done this and if it had been a, a, a fake resurrection, do you think all these men would have gone to the death and martyred themselves for a fake resurrection or a fake Messiah? I don't think so. 
First Corinthians 15, 6, Paul described this. He said he was seen. Jesus was seen by over 500 brethren at once of whom the greater part remained to the present. So even as Paul is writing this letter to the church at Corinth, many, many of the people that were alive when Jesus, when, when he was resurrected, were still living. There was, can you imagine being one of the 500? And here's what I think. 500 people, and I've, I've done the math before. I don't exactly remember what it was, but I've done the math before. And if there were 120 in the upper room or, or so, and there were 500 that had seen him resurrected, I wonder what happened to the other 380. Why weren't they in the upper room? Well, they might have had something better to do. I don't know. But I'm telling you, 120 people were gathered in the upper room waiting for this, this promise that they didn't even know what was coming. Now, he spoke of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What are those things? See, that's what I want us to get into this morning. So go back to Luke chapter 24. And Jesus is going to tell you what those things are that he spoke about. Some people think the kingdom of God's a big mystery. It's not. The kingdom actually means a king's domain. Where do you live? Who's king of your life? Who's king of your heart? What, what realm do you live in? Aram was speaking to us uh, last week. He was just sharing with us some things about living in a king in, in a, uh, the New Jerusalem perspective. We, the Bible says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So we have a different perspective of life. We have a different perspective of things going on around us, or we should have, because we're not, we're not just citizens of Texas or the United States of America, but we have another citizenship. It's much more important than this one. It's the citizenship of heaven. Amen? Okay. Hey, you're good. Luke 24, verse 44. Then he, Jesus... Well, let me, let me set this up for you. He had reappeared. He had appeared again to his disciples. He showed them his, his hands. He showed them his feet. He showed them the scar on the side. He had already spoken to the guys on the road to Damascus. The, road, the guys on the road to Damascus showed up. Cleopas and his buddy, they showed up. And they're telling them, but hey, we were walking with Jesus. We didn't know it was him. And we had, we had a meal with him. And then he disappeared. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears again. Whew, he's there again. And he, and he shows him, he's, he wants him to believe, he wants him to understand who he is and that his glorified body is still a real body. And he says, do you have something to eat? And they gave him some fish and honeycomb. And he ate it right there in front of him. So he wanted them to understand, listen, the infallible proofs that Jesus wanted his disciples and the people that were following him all this time, he wanted them to understand, I am real, I have come back, I'm alive. And listen, if they didn't understand that, nothing else would have been written. The book of Acts would not have been written. Do you understand that? Jesus said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. So you go back and you read the prophecies and you see, oh, yeah, there's that prophetic word about Messiah, Messiah, the the, uh, resurrection, the death, the burial, the scars, the piercing, all these things. He said, all these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Y'all, that's huge. It's just huge. How many of you have ever been reading a scripture before and it made no sense? And then the 33rd time that you read it, it made sense. God opened your eyes to the truth all of a sudden. It's like an instruction book. You know, you get this new... I'll never forget the swing set that we bought for our kids when they were little. It had a jillion parts. You know how many a jillion is? It's too many. <laughs> and it had an instruction book written in 12 languages. But the English wasn't very good either. And it's like you, you're putting it all together and, and you, you, this is for the, your children to play with and be safe on. And for some reason you've got parts left over. And you're not quite sure that it's going to be safe for your kids. But I tell you what, when I got through with the, and I had some parts left over, I looked at these parts, I looked at the swing set, and I said, I said, I know where those parts go. <laughs> I had a revelation. And I thought, can we survive without those parts on that swing set? And I decided, yes, we could. <laughs> didn't tell my wife. Mm-mm. And it, and it did pretty good, didn't it, for a long time? Okay. 
God's book, it, it's, it's, not, it's more than an instruction book. I don't like to just call it that. This is life, okay? But there are times when you're reading it and you don't grab it, you don't grasp it. Listen, uh, the best thing I can tell you to do before you read the Word is pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate it. Ask Him to highlight it for you. I know you might have a highlighter, but ask Him to show you what it means to you in your situation right now because one verse can mean one thing to you one day. It can mean something totally different the next day because of what your circumstances are, your situations are in your life. So he said, and he opened their, their, their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. This is kind of the gospel in a nutshell. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning where? At Jerusalem. And you are witnesses, say witnesses, of these things. You are witnesses of these things. Now, he's talking to a select group of people. He's also talking to you and me. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Say power. power. Power from on high. Now, they had already been filled with the Spirit. Jesus had breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Remember that? But he said, Now, I want you to go wait. There's, there's a time period. You can go fish. You can do what you're going to do. But if there's a time period. I want you to go wait in this upper room. He didn't even tell them how long to wait. We know that it was 10 days because of the 40 and the 10, the penta, the, penta, the 50. We know that it was 10 days. But they, he just told them to go and wait for the promise. How many of you have ever been told to go wait for something and you had no idea what you were waiting for? You know, you go and if a woman's pregnant and, and, and her water's broke and she's going to the hospital, she knows what she's going to go waiting for, right? And the husband knows. But sometimes God, God puts something in her heart and he says, I want you just to rest. I want you just to wait on me. I've got something for you. And he doesn't have to tell us what it is at the time. He wants us to just rest in him and trust him. Some of you are going through some things and you want answers. And God said, just wait. We're, Mary Lou's got a new book about prophecy and how to war for the prophetic word. Listen, the prophetic word can be given to you and you might want to go make it happen tomorrow. And God said, wait, because my timing is different than your timing, Harold. Oh, okay, Lord. And he just told them to go wait. Listen, when he tells you to wait, he's asking you to trust him. He's asking you to trust him. So I want you to see this. is when Jesus preached and taught for 40 days, this is what he taught, guys. The repentance and remission of sins should be preached to his, in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. But he said, I don't want you to do that until you're endued with power from on high. What Jesus called his disciples to do, I'm telling you, he's calling us to do. And what Jesus calls us to do, he also empowers us to do what he calls us to do. And we do it by the power of the Holy Spirit because in and of ourselves we can do Nothing. Nothing good. Acts 1.8. I love this, this verse. And we're, I'm jumping a little bit ahead of what I'm going to be preaching the next couple of weeks. But in Acts 1.8, Jesus said this, But you shall receive power, dunamis, ability. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So what are we to preach? How are we to preach? Is this word, this word that we're to preach and teach, is it just for the professionals like pastors? Hmm. What authority do we have to preach things concerning the kingdom of God? I want to I answer some of these questions. What are we supposed to preach? What are we to preach? We're supposed to preach the kingdom of God. And that's the good news. God didn't say, I want you to go out and tell them the bad news. See, this is where it gets weird. We, he told us to be witnesses. What does a witness do if, if they see a crime? They tell what they've seen, right? That's all a witness does. So when he says, I want you to be my witnesses, we think all of a sudden, oh, we've got to have, uh, we have, we, we've got to have a course in 101 on witnessing. Listen, witnessing is really a natural thing. It's, it could be supernatural, but it's really a natural thing. You just tell people what you've seen, right? right. Uh, do, should we have to be trained to tell people what we've seen? I, I don't think so. And so... Uh, we are to be witnesses, he said. But we have to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to become the witnesses 
that he says we shall be, not that we have to be or we're going to try to be, but that we shall be. And so he's asked us to do this. He said to preach the gospel, the good news, that repentance and remissions of sin are available to all who will come to Jesus. That's pretty good news, I think. Listen, that we can have all of our sins forgiven, that we can step into eternity, that we have this thing called grace that God applies the blood of Jesus that we didn't have to work for, that we didn't have to do. It's a gift. Listen, it's the good news. And we're witnesses of the good news. Your life should be a witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm so glad he didn't say, Go ye therefore and preach all the nations the bad news. We get enough bad news, don't we? I mean, just turn your television on. Open the newspaper. Bad news, bad news, bad news. Open the Bible. Good news, good news, good news. My grace is sufficient. Good news. The gift of God is eternal life. Good news. You can't do it of works, so you can't boast about it. Good news. It's by grace you're saved through faith. Good news. Man, we have the good news within us, church. And if it's within us, it should come out of us. We're the best story that can ever be told to share. And yet, for some reason, we think, I can't do that. I can't talk about Jesus in public. I can't share, I can't share Jesus with my friends. I can't share Jesus in, in, in my workplace. I sure can't talk about him in school because they'll arrest me. And we have all these thoughts that the enemy would like us to think that we can't do when they're all lies. And here, that's what I'm telling you. If you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, you really won't have a choice. It'll just, blah, just come out. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There, there, there'll be such a joy because you know what? Bottom line is, I don't want anybody to go to hell. Do you? Well, there's a couple of people. <laughs> I don't want anybody to go to hell. Jesus didn't want anybody to go to hell. I mean, he died so people wouldn't go to hell. So we're to preach this beautiful life-changing, destiny-changing message of hope called the gospel, the good news. That's what the word gospel means. It means good news. And share this gift of love with the world. How are we to preach? By cleverly designed messages, complete with a joke of the week, with the perfect graphics, with the most beautiful videos and the most beautiful stage setting. Listen. There are churches that are program run that they don't preach the true gospel of Jesus Christ, but they preach self-help. They preach this is how you can live a better life. This will be better if you did it this way. And, they, and I'm not saying the things that they teach are bad, but if they're not teaching the gospel, they, don't, they should quit calling themselves churches. Just call them a motivational area. Motivational buildings. Yes. Yes. Come to the motivational meeting this week. We're going to have it on Sunday. I know a lot of you go to church, but we're just going to have a motivational meeting and we're just going to get, get together and talk about Pinterest. I didn't even know what that was until a while back. So I'm like, what Pinterest? Y'all hear what I'm saying? As preachers of the gospel, we are responsible to preach the truth and to preach the whole counsel of God, not just a little bitty bits of it. Oh, I have this anointing for, I need to preach on this subject, and I'm going to preach on this subject for 52 weeks, because that's my anointing. Listen, I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. I see Paul, he taught everything. Peter taught everything. All the, throughout the word, the gospel, Jesus taught everything. He he didn't just hammer on one subject. He taught everything, the whole counsel of God. Some preachers, all they teach is on, preaches on heaven. But there is a, there is a, my Bible talks about a place called hell. That, that there is a place of eternal damnation. Huh? Right? And if I tell you that, that, oh, hell doesn't exist, listen, I'd be lying to you. I would rather preach more on heaven, though. It is the good news. And you're witnesses of these things, verse 48. You may say, I'm not a witness, but you are. If you have believed without seeing. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas? Well, let's see what Thomas said to Jesus. Uh, yeah, dude, you're crazy. He wasn't here. He's not alive. And they said, 
Yeah, we saw him. We, we saw the nail scars. We, we saw the, 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 the nail prints in his feet. We saw the scars. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you got to be you're crazy, man. And Jesus pops on the scene eight days later, and Thomas is there, and he said, look, Thomas, look, touch, feel, whatever you need. Thomas drops to the floor, my, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said, well, Thomas, that is awesome that you have seen and you believed. But I want to tell you what's more awesome, Thomas, is the people at Freedom Fellowship on April the 19th that didn't see but they believe. See, we're in the Bible. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. We are witnesses. You may not have seen Jesus on the cross except in a movie format. You may not have seen him being raised from the dead except on the movies or or Passion of the Christ. But in your heart, because of the faith that God has given you to believe, you have seen it. You've had the eyes of your understanding opened. You sit here today because you have said, yes, I believe. I didn't see it, but I believe it. Because of the faith that God has given you to believe, and you believed, and you've received. You are witnesses then. And your life should bear out the fact that you're a witness. But some of you are just a little little edgy on this witnessing thing. I used to be that way too. I remember a class that we had back in another church that I went to. It was called Witnessing 101. I hated it. I hated it. We're going to tell you how to go door to door. Well, first of all, I didn't want to go door to door. I know my wife doesn't because she didn't know what dog is lurking back there. Matter of fact, I'm not too crazy about dogs I don't know. Anybody else? I admire these people that go door to door. But listen, that's not, that's not what Jesus... He, if you, if you have to be forced to go witness something wrong, there's not any love here. There's not any desire. There's not any. Listen, it's just, oh, I'm just going to do this out of obedience because if I don't, you know what's going to happen. I used to be that way. I didn't, I did not want to, I didn't want to go door to door. I just, man, God, is there another way? <laughs> and I found out at the age of 47, there was another way. Because Jesus said, Behold, even in Luke, look at verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. See, the apostle, I mean, Jesus knew that we were going to need more than just a good word. He knew that we were going to have to be empowered. And the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5, I was with you in weakness and fear and in trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Say power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. See, I was going to go out witnessing, and I did the witnessing 101. I did it. I went out in my power. I went out in my wisdom. Or actually, in the what they, they told us, this is a good connecting word. Hey, if you can connect with them on sports, connect with them on sports. If you can connect with them with a loaf of bread, give them a loaf of bread. It's all about the connecting and then the right things to say and the, and the right way to say them. But when I was endued with power from on high, it changed. It changed. And that's what was going to happen to these guys. Now, I want us to turn to, to uh, Romans 10. Because a lot of people believe that preaching is left up to preachers. And you can scripturally prove that. I'm not going to say you can't. I'm just telling you it's going to get done a lot slower if we're just going to leave it up to the paid professionals. Right? That's why Jesus, listen, that's why Jesus went away. He said, look, I can only be one place at one time. Well, actually, he probably could move around. He went through walls, right? But he was only at one place at one time. And he said, unless I go, he said, if I don't go, then I can't send back the Holy Spirit, and he's going to reside in all of you. So I'm thinking, wouldn't that that kind of apply to us as preachers? Oh, if he wants the world to know, is it just going to be through preachers? Well, in the sense that all of us are called to preach the gospel, yes. Because we are all to be witnesses to tell of what we have seen 
what we've heard. Okay? Say, I'm a witness. And if you're a witness, that means you've got to speak what you've seen and what you've heard. But if you try to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll get frustrated real quick. Look at what Peter, I mean Paul said in Romans 10. Brethren, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for Israel is that they be saved. Now, if you've got desire, that's the number one thing, guys. If you've got a desire like Paul did to, for his people to be saved. For I bear them witness, say there's that word again, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See, Paul had a desire to see his people saved. Here's the, here's the question I have for you this morning. Do you have a desire to see the people in your family saved? Do you have a desire to see the people where you work saved? Do you have a desire to see the people that you associate with saved, your friends saved? Listen, Paul had a desire to see the, the Israel, the nation of Israel saved. And so many of them rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, but he kept going and going and going and becoming witnesses and witness to them of the glory of God. Verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. In other words, he's saying the law, all it did was reveal sin. But it wasn't going to save. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. What he's talking about there, if you just real briefly let me share that with you, is that they were talking about works there. If I can go bring him down or if I can go bring him up, then, then I'll have him. But God didn't do that. He came to us. Amen? We didn't have to go up to him. He said he came to this earth to seek and save that which was lost. So he's come after us. That's how much he loves us. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Paul said, man, I want you to know my Jesus. And this is how you come to him. He came to you. You confess him with your mouth. You believe in your heart. You confess him with your mouth. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That God raised his son from the dead. And you shall be saved. Not complicated. Good news. Amen. Amen. Simple, simple message of the kingdom. When it says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer. I want you to know this. Before we close today, God's going to put somebody on your heart to begin to pray for he will. Holy Spirit will put somebody in your heart to begin to pray for that you will be a witness to them. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. If you're not preaching the gospel with your life, don't try to preach it with your words. You hear me? If you're not willing to live the gospel, if you're not li- willing to show people Jesus, but you want to talk about him all the time, but you show him somebody else, just quit talking. Because they won't listen. And even if they do listen, they're not going to be too happy. You know, y'all hear what I'm saying, church? For with a heart, verse 10, for with a heart one believes into righteousness, with a mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. I love that. Guilt, shame, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? And he said, you will not be put to shame if you trust him, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You shall be saved. You will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jews. Listen, he was blowing the gate, the doors wide open. When he started saying these things, guys. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who will call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Many of you have heard the testimony Mary Lou shared about Mr. Fleury. He was an, he was an atheist. Mary Lou witnessed to him, witnessed to him in, the, in the nursing home for years and years and years. And I'm not going to go into all the detail of the story, but he was, a, he, was a, he was a profound atheist. He did not believe in God. Mary Lou would go and she would pray over him. He would tell her, I don't want to receive that. I don't believe in prayer. Uh, he, said, he said, I love you, Mary Lou. I thank you for, for who you are, but I just don't believe in the God that you, you believe in. And Mary Lou would say nice little things. She was just like, boop, 
let me show you this. And if you ever get in a tight situation, Mr. Flurry, the Bible says if you'll call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you just remember that, and she would share that with him, and she would pray over him, and she would love on him, and she would show him Jesus. She didn't judge him. She just showed him Jesus. And he said, well, you know, all I've got to look forward to is when I die, is that the canker worms are going to eat my body. That's what he would say. He would say, I have these horrible dreams. And Mary would say, there's no pill that you can take that will take that stuff away from you, Mr. Flurry. You need Jesus. And she would leave it at that. She wouldn't force the issue. One day, she's, we're walking into the, the, to the nursing home. We walked in on the same wing for some reason that day. We usually went to separate wings at the nursing home. She walked in, and, and they said, Mr. Flurry, Mr. Flurry, he's down the room. She went into his room. He was crying. He was sitting up on the side of his bed, and he was crying, just weeping. He was pretty much blind at that point. He was 89 years old. And he was weeping. And Mary Lou said, what's the matter, Mr. Flurry? What's the matter? She, he said, I, I got Jesus. He said, I got Jesus. She said, what happened? He said, well, I had one of those dreams. And he said, I was on the precipice of hell. I was looking out at hell in my dream. It was was the most horrible dream. And he said, but in my dream, I remembered what you told me. To call on the name of the Lord and I would be saved. And I called on the name of Jesus and I was saved. And he said, I got Jesus. This was a professor at ASU that did not believe in a God of any kind. He said, I got Jesus. Listen, she was a witness. She was a faithful witness. And he called upon the name of the Lord. And we got to do his funeral. Four years later, I mean, he, he would tell people about his faith. And I'm telling you guys, if you will just be Jesus, if you will just love people, that God will open the door for you to share Jesus with them. It's not that complicated. It comes from the heart to the mouth, not from the brain to the mouth. Right? How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? Verse 14. How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful. I love this. Y'all want to see my feet? I've got such beautiful feet. No, I won't do that. But you do too. You have beautiful feet. Say, I've got beautiful feet. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Who bring glad tidings. Listen, he said glad tidings of good things. Why would we ever be ashamed to bring glad tidings of good things to people? I don't know. But I'm telling you, for me, when the gates broke open and I began to witness for Jesus Christ, it was when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was my day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit flooded me, I already knew Jesus. I was filled. I had the indwelling Spirit of God. I was, I was hungry. I was searching. God, what? I, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than what I've experienced. And it's like he said, there he is, Harold. Just ask me. And I didn't even know how to ask him. I just said, I just want whatever, whatever you've got from me, Lord, I want it. Give it to me all. All of it to me. And he, he knew my heart. Listen, he knows the condition of your heart today. He knows the condition of your heart, what you're looking for. And he will not come and baptize you with his Holy Spirit unless you're looking for him. Unless you want it. But when you come to that place, Lord, as best I know, I've, I've, I've sold out this area, that area. The things that you show me, I, I've, 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 been, I've been walking the things that you've been showing me. I, I mean, I know I'm not perfect yet, Lord, but I'm, I'm still seeking you. I really want everything you have for me. He will give you the Holy Spirit. It says, would a father give a child if he asks for a for something good, would he give him something bad? No. And, and God says, would, if you ask for something good for me, is he going to give you something bad? No. That, that would be the bad news. He gives us the good news. But he knew that these disciples, these apostles, he knew that the people in that upper room, if they were going to transform the world, turn the world upside down, they needed the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe if we really got the good news, The world needs to hear it. The world needs to see it. Would you stand? Can I have the ministry team at the front, please? And just remember, as a ministry team, we're trying to institute that new... uh, When you come forward for prayer, they're going to take you to a side room. 
we're, we're no longer going to do ministry here at the front because uh, we don't want to embarrass people. And if it needs to go longer, then that's not a problem because we had another service coming up after this. So I'm just remind the ministry team, somebody comes forward to pray, just usher them out to the, to the side room. Okay. But God wants us to be witnesses. You can't really witness something you haven't seen. So first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you really can't witness what you believe, what you've received because you haven't yet. So today may be that day. You would step out and say, I want Jesus. I want the good news. I want the good news manifest and lived out in my life. So that's the, for my first invitation to you today. If you don't know Jesus, we will talk to you. We will lead you. We will bring you to that place where you can pray to receive him. And it's the simplicity of the gospel that he wants you to receive today. Now, for those of you that have come this morning, you don't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you really want to, you, you, you're very uncomfortable about witnessing, sharing your, sharing your story. And you just need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I would ask that you begin to pray to ask him to fill you. I was filled in, in my home, side of my bed. Knelt down side of my bed. I think Jesus knelt me down. <laughs> I don't think I voluntarily did. I think I'll fall down. I, I just knelt in my bed and began to weep. I knew he was doing something in my life. He was just really working on me. If you've never come to that place where you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, see, he says the power came upon them. And that's something I want you to start asking him about. And now I see the day of Pentecost, May 24th, is just a mass. A lot of people getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Usually it doesn't work out the way I think, okay? Because he may do that during the week in your life. But if you would love us to, like us to pray for you this morning, that you would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. A lot of people, the first thing is that, oh, so that means I'm going to speak in tongues. Let me, let me just clear that up. Because the enemy uses that a lot to keep people from being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm not... I, I use Acts 1.8 and you shall receive power to become my witnesses. Now the gifts come. I believe God gifts us with tongues, with, with the laying on of hands, a lot of things God gifts us with. But I think the main thing he wants to gift you with is the power to be his witness. I think that's the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit more than any other evidence is that, that you have the power to become my witnesses. In other words, it's not a stretch for you to tell somebody, somebody about Jesus. It's just going to flow out of you. So if that's you this morning, if you'd like prayer for that, uh, I want you to just come step, stand in the front. If you'd like to be prayed for for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just come and step out in front. If you need Jesus this morning, don't know him as your Savior, step out and come and come see Robert and Yoli or Carol and Chloe Jane. So Father, this morning, just bow your heads. Father, this morning, bottom line is, Father, we're asking for your will and your way to be done here in this place. We're asking for your will and your way to be done in this place. You desire that we know you as our Lord and Savior. You desire that we are baptized with power. That we might go and share this beautiful, glad, good news to the world. A lost and dying world that needs a Savior. So, Father, as those feel that unction of your spirit to step out and come, just give them the faith to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, just step out and come. If you don't know Jesus Christ lord and savior step out and come if you'd like us to pray for you for the baptism of the holy spirit or for healing or anything we're welcome we'd love to pray for you this morning don't have a lot of ministry team here but we'll pray for you and collectively as a group step out and come step out and come thank you jesus thank you jesus don't be afraid of something god said is good okay don't be afraid something that God's already done and said this is good it's really it's the reason Jesus left so he could send his Holy Spirit back amen come on Lucas get over here with us bud Charles and Pam could I have you guys come on up stand behind these folks yeah there you are yeah need some help up here I love it on the day of Pentecost. I don't want to get too far ahead, but I can't help it. I love it on the day of Pentecost, Julie, that that uh, all these people came together with, with one mind, one, one mindset, one accord. And they just prayed, and God said, this is what I have for you. 
that this is going to change the world. Can you imagine that, guys? We're here today because 120 people said yes to Jesus. We're here today because 11 guys said yes to Jesus. And he's not done. He's still writing the book. Don't you want to be a part of the book? It says, well, and then the kingdom kept going. And the kingdom kept going until Jesus came back. Because he's coming back, church. It could be this. It could be today. I don't know, but he's coming back for the bride. He's coming back for a bride that's been empowered to do the works of Jesus. So this morning, you guys, just raise your hands up. Father God, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your precious, powerful Holy Spirit. And Father, I know it's salvation. We have the indwelling spirit. But Father, today, these that have come forward, they're, they're asking. As a child would ask a father for something. And you said if a child would ask a father and the father would give it, Father, we're asking today that you would give your Holy Spirit. You would pour out your spirit upon these that are seeking your face. They want the more of God. They, they don't want to live the mundane anymore. They want to be empowered today by the power of the Holy Spirit that would come upon them and fill them to overflowing, that they would be your witnesses. And it wouldn't be something they would have to work at anymore, Father, but they would be your witnesses because you empower them. You would speak through them. You would give them the words to say. And, Father, whatever uh, uh, sin issue in their life that maybe they've been, they've been trying and trying in their flesh to get rid of by the power of your Spirit today, that that would be washed clean from their lives. They would step in that new dimension of power and of wholesomeness and wholeness, Lord, in sozo through the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, there doesn't have to be flashes of light. There doesn't have to be thunder. There doesn't have to be noise. But, Father, there is power in the Word and in the name of Jesus. So I speak your power, your Spirit, in Jesus' name today. You say, I receive I receive him. I receive him. I receive him. I receive him in Jesus' name. I receive him in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just begin to thank him for his Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you. Wherever you're at, just thank him right now for the Holy Spirit that's within you. Just begin to thank him and praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Just acknowledge who he is in your life. Just thank Him. Say, Lord Jesus, without Holy Spirit, I couldn't do what I do. I thank You for empowering me today. I thank You that for a fresh and feeling for those that are standing in the congregation. I even prayed that this morning, Father, that we would be a fresh infillment, a fresh filling, that we would be filled again and again and again. It says the disciples were baptized in the Holy Spirit, and later on they were they were praying again, and the place where they're at was shaken, and they had the boldness to preach the Word of God. Father, we need you. Holy Spirit, we need you. Cleanse us today. Move in our lives today. Empower us to be the, the church that you've called us to be. activate the Holy Spirit within them. Give them dreams and visions.